Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. We strive to lead people to be God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. Our goal is to tear down the walls that have kept people away from church to help them build a relationship with God, our Creator. We are so glad you're tuning in today. We hope and pray that this leads you to Jesus and His path for your life. So, without further ado, here is today's teaching. Love others as you love yourself. That's where the love agent piece comes from. And so today as we jump into that, actually what I want to talk about is superheroes. Man, superheroes, they're everywhere. Y'all seen superheroes recently? Oh my goodness. They're like on every commercial. They're Someone is just, there was a time when superheroes were reserved just for kind of the little nerdy closet uh, geek people who just had the, I'm not slamming anybody. Like I wished I knew more about superheroes as I grew up because some of my friends who did know it, like they were telling me all this stuff about these people and that's like this certain sect of people. But thanks to the billions of dollars movie industry, even the common man can know all about Thor and all the other great you know, people of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and other, other superheroes. It's crazy. And these movies are everywhere. They're making people billions and billions of dollars. Not me, not any of you. None of us are making that money. We're spending the money. We're getting people rich. But superheroes are everywhere. The thing about superheroes uh, is that it is kind of at a core part of what we want to see in this world. Like we see that there's this problem in the world. Like we all see a problem. There's all kinds of different problems. You don't have to watch the evening news for five minutes to feel like, you know, something's going on in this world. Can somebody stop it? Can somebody fix it? And so that's why it's not just our modern culture with the multi-billion dollar movie industry that has heroes. You go all the way through history, you find these superheroes. In early American history, we had Paul Bunyan and we had, uh, we had John Henry, right? These guys were like getting it done for the common man. Robin Hood, superhero. He was like super cool with that bow and arrow. He's stealing from the rich to give to the poor. You go on back through history, you're going to find uh, medieval times and you're going to find in ancient times, there was always these larger than life characters that were going to sweep in and save the day, right? Why? Because we want that so bad. Because someone's always hurt. Someone's always broken. Someone's always suffering. Someone's always in poverty. Someone's always wishing they had more. What if somebody could sweep in and save the day? And so we look for heroes, and I think, you know, it doesn't take long for us to be honest and be like, okay, superheroes, that's like, that's cool, that's fantasy. But let's see if someone can really fix this. And so we elect people into public office. That has not worked. And we try to be heroes with uh, maybe violence or military strength. And that does not work. So we become activists. I think our culture, our like generation collectively is going to be known as the the group of people that cared about the most things at the same time. Like we care about everything. There's like different color ribbons for everything. And if you're not supporting this, you're a bad person. And it's good. I think it gets some things done. We're raising some support. We're raising some awareness. We're raising some money. That's great. Because we want to get it done. We want to fix the problem. We want to come into the world and we're looking for heroes. And here's the thing. I don't think that's something we just made up in our human minds. I think it's built into us because I don't think we're the only people that are looking for, hum- uh, for heroes. We're not the only being looking for heroes. I think God is looking for heroes. You know, I believe that the reason that God came into the world as Jesus, which is God in the flesh, is because, listen, I, yes, I am God and I'm all powerful and I'm almighty, but here's what I want to do. I want to empower you. I want you to go into this world and I want you to make a difference. I don't think God's looking for superheroes. I think he's looking for everyday heroes. I think he's looking for what can you do in your family, in your home, in your neighborhood, in in your place of employment? What can you do to start working on this issue in the world? 
of pain, of sin, of brokenness, of addiction, of hurt. And he comes through and I think he dubs each one of us. If you have discovered Jesus, like if you're a believer in Christ, if you would call yourself a Christian, if you've been obedient to him and said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow his word, he has commissioned you. And if you're here today as a, a you know, guest and you're just like, I don't know even where I am on faith and religion, I want you to know that I'm so glad you're here because what we want to do is be a community of people for you. So you can know more about this God who loves you and this God who has done so much to change the world. What we call that everyday hero at our church, we call it being a love agent, taking God's love, activating it in the world through our actions, being a love agent. You know, one of the most popular verses in the Bible uh, is John 3.16. You see it on big signs at professional sports events. And I, I wonder sometimes if a lot of the people who like post this stuff, they even have like read it or looked it up. I think probably so. You probably know what it says. And maybe for God loved the world so much that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him, Jesus, won't perish but have eternal life. Like that's, the, that's John 3.16. The whole, the nutshell of God's message for mankind is like, I loved you so I came to earth so you can know me. Like that's kind of, that's the message of John 3.16. We talk a lot about God's love at, at our church. We love God's love, God's big powerful love and we want him to fix everything. And we talk about that so I'll, I'll keep coming back. We talk about God's power and his love all the time. But if you look in that, uh, the, the same passage there of, about God's love, the same book, um, that's in John three sixteen. If you fast forward all the way to John 20, the end of the book of John, John is a, a, a biography of the life of Jesus. And so a lot of his teachings are in there. He says something pretty cool there in John chapter 20, verse 21. See some of you with your Bibles, feel free to look it up on an app. Uh, but this is in John 20, 21. Jesus says, listen, as the Father has sent me, okay, John three sixteen said, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. Check out this connection. God so loved the world that he came in the flesh as Jesus. But also, God so loved the world that he sent his followers. What better than to multiply the efforts of what God does in this world by every one of us having a part to play. And that's the heart of what we mean when we say being a love agent. So if you've already given your life to Jesus today, if you would call yourself a Christian you've been baptized into his name, you've had his Holy Spirit come into you, like, this is a big thing. Like, if, if you don't know that stuff, you might even be like, what is he talking about? But those of you who do, you're like, yes, I get that. If, if it, guess what? If that's you, that's who Jesus is talking about. God so loved the world that he sent you. He sent you to step in to the lives of people and make a difference. He wants you to be an everyday hero. He wants you to be a love agent. So I want to step back. I, w- I want to examine the idea of God's love um, and ask ourselves this question because I don't think, but we're Southern Americans. I love looking at the diversity of this audience. It's not diverse enough, whether it's ethnically, skin color wise, uh, socioeconomic, it's not diverse enough to describe what it means when God said, I so loved the world. Because what he, what he meant was, I love the world. Like everybody, even people not like you. I got a friend, his name is Vince, and he has this, uh, he, he jokes around about having written this book called The Alphabet of People God Loves. Uh, we actually showed a video of, of him doing part of it on Easter Sunday a couple of years ago. You can look it up on YouTube. I think it's called The ABCs of People God Loves. Uh, but I want to read a portion of it because I want us to understand what it means when I say God so loved the world. We're going to go through the alphabet. We're actually going to only go through three letters because we could go, we go all day on this thing. Check this out. All right, letter A. 
God loves artists, astronauts. God loves aerospace engineers. God loves accountants and accordion players, airplane pilots, athletes, acrobats, people from Alaska, people from Amish country, people from Alabama. He loves astrologers and astronomers. He loves animal rights activists and adulterers. He loves abusers and alcoholics. God loves awkward people. He loves assertive people. He loves aggravating people. He loves antisocial people and Ariana Grande. Like all everybody. A, that's A. We could keep going, but let's go to B. God loves babies. Oh, they're easy to love. He loves bankers. He loves boy band members. That was an awkward period of time. He loves ballerinas and Bible readers and biology teachers and bird watchers, bus drivers, bookworms, bachelors, botanists, bowlers, baby boomers, beekeepers, blondes, brunettes, and people with blue hair. God bless them. He loves bosses and bag ladies, bartenders, baristas, brats, people with braces. He loves the Baptists and the Buddhists and the barbershop quartets. He loves barflies. He loves the Brady Bunch and Tom Brady. He loves Beyonce, George Bush, both of them. He loves Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. That's the letter B. C, God loves people who are cute. He loves children, compassionate people, Caucasians, Cubans, Californians, Cambodians. He loves Cowboys fans and Cowboys haters, just so you know. He loves cooks, celebrities, Cherokees, Comanches, Cajuns, I guarantee. He loves cops, cheerleaders, clowns, cheapskates, cowards, comedians, Catholics, charismatics, congregationalists, congressmen, Conscientious objectors, he loves crooks, creeps, cheaters, charlatans, conceited, crystal meth junkies. He loves cat lovers and Chris Pratt. God bless that man. Man, we could go through the whole alphabet, but you get the point, like God loves the world, not just our little pocket of people that we like. And if you look around this city, man, there's so many different types. And he loves all of them. And he wants people to know him. I just have to ask this question, did you know that God loves you. Well, one of those words descriptive of you. What letter of the alphabet would I need to get to? Because <laughs> you're in there. If you just came to see what's happening at the park today, I'm glad you're here because that's the message I want you to know. God has a plan for you and he loves you. Maybe you're just getting started in your faith journey. God loves you. In a world where some Christians are known best for what they're against, we can't be those people because God is for us. Now, there are some things that God is not a fan of. He knows there are certain things that destroy our soul. There are things that pull us away from him. There are sins in this world. There's evil. But here's the thing. Even if that's part of your life, he still loves you just like you are. You can come to him right now just like that. But he doesn't want to leave you that way. He wants to show you a path that is towards righteousness, towards his light, and towards his truth so that you too can be a love agent, an everyday hero, somebody making a difference in this world. You know, when Jesus started the church, he didn't just start a a meeting time. He started a revolution. Like he started a, a love revolution. That's why he mobilized his followers. That's why for over 2,000 years, Christians have been the biggest agent of change in the world, in the face of history. And that's why we're here. We're not here to be the biggest church in town. We're not here to have the coolest programs, the best band, the coolest facilities. (laughs) We're here to make a difference in people's lives by loving them. Like really thinking about what it means to step into someone's life that's not receiving love, God's love, and loving them. And we have to be agents in the world 
that he loves. And real revolution happens when people begin to catch the fire of the movement. That's what you guys are here for. September 16th, we celebrate our fifth birthday. Five years, woo, we made it five years. And what I love is that throughout this, uh, man, it's great to see uh, Shelly and Kyle here. Some of y'all know Shelly and Kyle. I won't call y'all out anymore, but so good. Y'all are, have moved away. Just if you guys just knew their story, oh my goodness. They, they discovered the love of Jesus and they turned everything around for him. Then they had to go get jobs in other states and move, but I'm glad you're here today. You find anybody who has encountered the love of Jesus really in their life and said, you know what, man, everything else I'm living for is not even worth it. And that story is told over and over and over. How do we ignite a revolution the way Jesus did? Well, we do it the same way he did it. We build, we build relationships with people. Like we strategically love people by saying, listen, this is a person I don't know. Let me begin by getting to know them. We serve people in surprising ways. I love, uh, one of my friends says, this is called ambushing people with God's love. Like it used to be that the church fought like colonial uh, like warfare. And so we would just line up with the community with our muskets and we'd go banging on every door with Bibles in hands and throwing and it's just like whoever, like the most people standing at the end of the day, they win. That is not how we do a love revolution. But as warfare progressed in American history, we learned that we couldn't fight the rest of Europe. So we started a guerrilla warfare. So, you know, you kind of come out from behind a tree and you do a strategic move and then you go back. But listen, I know that's kind of like a weird, violent comparison, but check it out. The people of this world do not need to be stood in front of and shot at. They need to be strategically loved. That we show up in their life at just the right time and say, listen, I'm just here for you. With no agenda, but just to love you because you're someone that God loves and I want to love you too. On September 16th, as we celebrate our birthday, we're going to kick off uh, this year's, we do this every year, Love Agent Week. In fact, if you want to learn a little bit more about it, we got our website, loveagentweek.com. Check it out. Um, you might have seen that it's actually supposed to happen this week. We moved it because we can. And so we're moving it to celebrate our birthday. And here's the deal. The Love Agent Week is about a different challenge to love every day. So every single day is a different way to love people. And, and we're hoping this is something that continues to catch fire through our city, through other church groups, through your work. Just go to your friends at work and be like, hey, we're doing this Love Agent Week together. Let's see. Go check out the website, loveagentweek.com. Um, but th- what, what that whole week emphasizes is that it's the small things that makes a difference in people's lives. It's the small acts of love. It's the small acts of service. What did Jesus do to get the love movement moving? There's two major components. The first one is this. He did simple things. He did simple things. He fed hungry people. He hugged people who nobody else would hug. He took time to speak with outcasts, rejects, outsiders. He played with children. Right now we got some of our greatest people at our church are hanging out with our kids right now. Spending time with the little ones so they could see that life can be different than what other people experience. He comforted people dealing with loss and pain. These are simple things. Everyone can do this. None of you has to. Maybe some of you need to, but none of you has to stand in front of a group of people and preach like this. It's not the way we change the world. We change the world first through simple things. Here's the second thing he did. He showed the miraculous power of God by doing miracles. It's the one thing that set him apart from any other teacher in history. Even his adversaries would say, well, obviously he's doing miracles. Their question was not whether or not he was doing miracles. Their question was like, whose side are you on? We just want to see, like, are you on the God team? Because, man, you're powerful. And he was like, yes, I am. And you hear that, and you're like, okay, well, I can do simple things. I don't know if I can do any miracles. Uh, My wife can do some miracles with leftovers. Like, that may be the kind of miracle you do. No, listen, 
I'm not talking about the miracle. It's not the magical moment that impressed people. It was the power behind the moment that impressed people and made people turn to Jesus. And check this out. If you went around this group right here, I, can, I won't call you out. I already did it at one people and I don't normally do that. I could look around this room right here and I know that God's power has been active in your life. Some of you nodding your heads. It has been active in your life. And you might not be multiplying fish and bread to feed thousands of people, but you know what you can do? You can tell your friends what God has done through his power in your life. They don't have to believe because of something they read in the book or because of something they heard like a preacher say, but dude, I trust my coworker, my friend, my relative, and man, if God's power has worked in their life, okay, let me hear some more. We do simple things and we point people to the power of God through Jesus that's where this revolution continues. And that's how we play our part in this leg of the race. Jesus was an agent of God's love. And he did these things through the power of God and they literally changed the world, the planet. I love this verse from the Bible. It was written by one of Jesus' number one uh, followers and a leader in the early church. His name was Peter. He was one of Jesus' apostles. This is, this is uh, 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. Peter says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. Like, like if you're like coming to church, if you're doing God stuff and people are like, why do you do that? This is great. Peter's like, you should have an answer for that question. <laughs> Not because, well, I'm bored on Sundays because like work is closed. So like, I don't know. I think I'll go into church. Like, no, like why are you doing this? And he says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. There's so much we could talk about there. We're not going to right now. But this is the thing I want to talk about is looking for opportunities, opportunities to talk about what God's done in our lives. Or maybe you're in a seeking phase right now, opportunities to see that. Like, all right, I'll take your bet there, Mr. Preacher Man. Point me to someone who's got a story to tell. I'll do it. <laughs> this morning, they'd be glad to tell you the story. He said, be, be able to have a reason for the hope that you have. So maybe you feel like the best way to, to love somebody. This is like random. You could actually do this. It's a great idea. But you have a, a neighbor who uh, maybe they're older or maybe they're disabled or maybe they're just really busy. And um, you're like, you know what? I'm just going to go mow their grass next Saturday. I'm mow their grass. Imagine if you woke up and you heard a lawnmower and you're like, mowing my grass. Now, some people might yell at you. You need to know your neighbors better. Don't just go mowing crazy people's grass. But like if, and then they come out and they're like, what are you doing? I'm just mowing the grass if you don't mind. Okay. Two weeks later, one week later, depending on how much rain we had, get up on Saturday morning, go do it again. What are you doing? I'm mowing your grass. Is it cool? Yeah. Now, now eventually, it might be the first day. It might be five weeks in. They might be like, I'm just going to ride this wave until it's over. Eventually, they're going to ask this question. Why are you doing this? And right in this moment, you have an opportunity to give a reason for the hope that you have. And it doesn't have to be deep. You don't need a seminary degree. You, you don't even have to have read much, if any, of the Bible to say, I don't know, I've been hearing about loving people with the love of God, and I was just like, well, what's something I can do? I can mow grass. So I'm just doing that. And they might ask you a deeper question, and you might not know the answer. Guess what? Awesome. You don't have to know all the answers. In fact, that's like the fun of the journey. It's finding out the answers. And you can figure it out with them or you can figure it out with another friend. 
But you see what this strategic act of love has done? It's opened a conversation. This is being a love agent. And that can be amplified and amplified throughout your life through the different things you have an opportunity to do. By doing small things as love agents, we can ignite a revolution that grows and grows and grows and changes the world. I'm going to close out with two quick uh, examples of this. Um, it was during the times of the Roman Empire, okay? This was about 100 AD. So um, was anybody around for that? Just want to check. 100 AD, long time ago. You know how many Christians there were in the world in 100 AD? This was like 60-ish years after Jesus rose from the dead. About 25,000. That's a lot. That'd be like a big church, but they were all spread out. That's not very many people in the world scene. About 25,000, depending on how they count. But in the next 200 years, something happened. Christianity became illegal in the Roman Empire. Okay, so people couldn't openly worship. They couldn't go to places and they couldn't kind of like proselytize, you know, go into city squares and talk about their faith. They couldn't do it. Christianity had to go underground. There were no church buildings. There was no official printed Bible yet. That probably slowed things down. There were no Christian radio stations, no Christian TV channels or, or radio or bookstores, no Facebook pages. What do you think happened to Christianity in those 200 years? I mean, you would think that the, movie, that the movement would have died. Only 25,000 in the world. I mean, it's, but despite the fact that it was illegal, Christians, at the risk of their own life, began to, they continued to live like Jesus among their friends, family, neighbors. They continued to love one another and share the message of God's love. And the number of Christians in that 200 years grew from 25,000 to 20 million during those 200 years. As modern day Christians, we get so lazy. We're like, man, our church moves in a, meets in a movie theater. So like, I don't know if we can really talk to our friends about Jesus. Man, like the political climate here is kind of, I don't want to ignite anything by talking about God. I mean, I don't want to offend anybody. It was illegal. People like died if they shared their faith, but it didn't stop them. In 1949, this is closer to home. You're like, this is a long time ago. They didn't have any sense. 1949, I'm not sure how much more sense we had in 1949. Christianity was outlawed in China. Uh, there was a communist leader named Mao Zedong. I think I'm saying his name right. And I started to research that guy. And this guy was like, you thought Hitler was bad? This guy was bad. He was bad. So he outlawed, outlawed, outlawed Christianity. He kicked the missionaries out of China. He confiscated church property. He killed the pastor of every church he could find. He, killed, he took the secondary leader of every church and put him in prison because he wanted to make sure, he wanted to snuff out Christianity in China. This was a really rough period. Uh, he was, man, he was a vain man. At this time in China, there were about two or three million Christians based on you know, the best research and evidence they had at the time. The hostile conditions for Christianity lasted for 27 years until 1976. A lot of you around during that time, right? This is modern times. What happened to Christianity during those 27 years? Did it weaken? Did it die? You can probably guess based on my previous story that it did not. During those 27 years, as the Communist Party's goal was to snuff out Christianity amongst the Chinese people, there was no way to have public services. There was no way to send mass messages. There was no way to openly profess your faith in Jesus. So what happened? Well, Christianity went underground, secretly meeting, strategically loving, intentionally studying, and they never stopped loving people. And in that 27 years, Christians in, in China grew from two to three million to about 60 million people during the, the reign of terror. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, yes, and that is the biggest truth, but God so loved the world that he sent you 
And he sent me. And he said, you can make a difference by being an everyday hero, by being a love agent. And today we're seeing those same types of movements. I've got friends that are missionaries in India. And the atrocities that happen to Christians in India right now are horrendous. Executions and all kinds of crazy stuff. But Christians are still loving and they're making a difference in the lives of children who have been lost and forgotten by the radicals, by people who have been tossed to the side and hurt, by those same very people who are in power and who's there to pick up the slack, who's there to love them, the Christ followers. It's happening in Korea, and it's happening in places in South America and Africa. It's happening in communities. I've got some friends who are uh, church planters and pastors in some of the worst communities in Southern California outside of uh, like San Diego, ridden with gang violence and drugs. And guess who's making a difference in those communities? The Christians. Because they're doing simple acts of love. And they're showing people to the power of God. You know, nothing takes the place of Jesus' original instructions to his followers to go into the world, make disciples, and teach them everything I've commanded you, and I'm gonna be with you. As a church, we say we are God-chasing, grace-shaped, love agents. And you can be a hero. One of the gospels says that people see our good deeds, but they give glory to God. And in a way, though you're being the hero, you're pointing people to exactly where they need to be. Look, I'm so glad we get to hang out in this, this setting. It's beautiful. There are people around us who, I guarantee you, walk by going, ha, another group. Some people walking by like, oh yeah, I skipped church today. I'm gonna stand by and listen. Fantastic. Glad you're out there, wherever you are. But look, this isn't just a gimmick. This isn't just a thing because it's summer and we live in a beautiful town. We, guys, we're family. And we gotta, we gotta storm the gates of hell. People are hurting. People are separated from God's love and we've gotta be agents of his love. Together we are God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. That's our manifesto. That's what we're all about. Let me pray for us this morning as the band comes up. God, we thank you just for the stories. Uh, so many stories. It's crazy that I, I look back over hundreds of years of like church history and and I see the stories of people who are doing exactly what we're doing today, which is just being alive and having faith in something. But as I look at the, the people who have made the difference, I'm just blown away by what happens through your son. Um, Lord, I pray that as we continue to hang out all day, that we really enjoy each other's company. We don't just rush off, but that we just sit down and meet somebody, share a sandwich and I don't know, throw a Frisbee or something and just enjoy being together. But that we go from here not just to be a consumer of the church, but to be um, an active member of the body. You're so good, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.